For basically 18 months, a large part of the American workforce has been in a state of flux about the return to office. Executives are trying to figure out what the office will look like post-pandemic, but it's complicated, especially when it comes to... It still remains very much unclear how many, what percentage of people are going to return once we are really back to normal. Google and Apple have already mandated that their employees return to the office for at least part of the work week. First, it was the summer of 2020 that we'd all be back at our desks as governments lifted mandates on non-essential workers. But then we were setting our sights on Labor Day. Then the focus was post-vaccine. Soon it was that following summer, then after Labor Day 2021, then after the holidays. And when the Omicron variant came, employers had to send their people home again. No one really knows what this variant is going to do or what other, and the next variant is going to do. You just kind of have to play it by ear. And that's what companies have had to do time and again, seeing so many of those return to office dates that were set just being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Through all of this, Castle Systems, which records building access card swipes, has become the main supplier of data on the rate of the workplace return across the country. Every week, it puts out its back-to-work barometer, which measures keycard entries into offices in 10 of the largest cities in the US. Its most recent data shows a weekly average occupancy of 39.5%, with some big differences between cities. Austin is at over 50%, and San Francisco closer to 30 I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York City reporter. On this episode, we're speaking with Castle CEO Hanyul Lin about his thoughts on the return to office and his predictions about what's coming next. I started by asking him if he's surprised that we haven't seen a bigger surge at this point. Uh, no, I, I think people are just starting to get to the other side of Omicron. So we were at about the 40% mark right before Omicron as people were coming back. So we, we saw since the pandemic, I guess, started two years ago, is obviously it dropped dramatically. And then there was a pretty good uptick, kind of consistent uptick. And then as uh, you saw different variants come in, you saw a natural drop down as people started to be uncomfortable coming back to work. And then as, as the fears of whatever variant came in and subsided, then people started coming in again. And then again, it reached sort of the 40%-ish mark right before Thanksgiving. And then Omicron hits. And then naturally, I think people went back out again. And so now that people feel a bit more on the other side of that, I think we're having more and more conversations with our clients that now people are starting to come back. So 40% is probably about right. And same kind of peak-to-peak mark that we saw. And I think the question now is, like, what, were, what will that get to ultimately as people do ultimately come back, assuming no other variants come into play? So we're at where we were at Thanksgiving. Ish, yes, that's right. So Thanksgiving is four months ago. Like, that's quite a hit to the return to office. Yeah, well, I mean, people want to feel safe coming into the work. And, and I, I know that there are different companies that started to, to have people come back to the office. And then all of a sudden, people started to spread the Omicron um, uh, variant around. And that was not a safe thing for people to do. So they sent everybody back home again. And I think it probably took that long for it to the variant to work out of the system, uh, frankly. And so it, four months is four months. It's interesting because I feel like March became the new date for the return, but it's still really not a big return. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think what happened, you know, back if I remember, you know, a year ago, that they, they people started to set dates. They said it's going to be, you know, the end of the, you know, the end of the summer, beginning of the summer, you know, uh, uh, Labor Day, etc. They set covenants uh, setting dates, and then as they did that, dates would slip because variants would show up and people wouldn't be entirely comfortable coming back. And so what what I feel at least or see in our conversations with our clients is that they have set very soft dates rather than before it, was, it felt very hard dates like we're going to come back by you know July or whatever, and so in these softer dates it just has a bit more of a trickle feel than it is a definitive one, and I think typically there that um, it uh, the dates oftentimes coincided with if I remember back, like a back to school, this is, everybody's gonna be back to school and that's the time we're gonna work towards. I don't know that there's an equivalent right now moment. And so that's why you hear some stretches of time. Some people are saying April, some people are saying end of April, beginning of May. So it's, it, it varies by company from what we see. Has that been a difficult pivot, do you think, for some people to go from this date, this is happening to uh, maybe around this time, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's always difficult for change. So, so we are just all creatures of habit. And I think we probably in the beginning when we sent everybody back home to work, that was a big adjustment because people didn't now know what to do, what, how, how they were gonna manage their families, their kids, the schooling and all of that. And then they adjusted to that. And then as people were thinking about coming back a year ago, they started to mentally think about adjustment and change and any change is different and then therefore not necessarily good. And I suspect any moment again in now the future where people are starting to come back, they're probably having the same things that they're try trying to process through. How do I balance all the things that I've gotten accustomed to at home? How do I think about all the things that I was able to do at home now having to go back to work, whether it's part-time hybrid or full-time, those are all now considerations. Just again, human nature, we are creatures of habit. Trying to figure out how to adjust is always gonna be a thing. Are you personally surprised to see it at 40%? Um, probably not completely surprised. I, I think it will start to tick back up. That will be a natural thing as more and more employers are asking people to back, be back in the work again, assuming that the uh, people will feel health-wise safe enough to do so. Uh, but I, I believe that this is a natural tick up. And then um, the, the policies I think that employers will have with respect to how much they're going to be demanding people to come back into work versus letting people work entirely remotely, that will dictate then how aggressively the curve comes back and to what level it settles. So how are you predicting a slow rise from here on in? Would that be fair to say? It probably is going to be a little bit steeper than what we had seen before. Because we're, we're starting to find a place, I believe, that the, the pandemic is shifting to be more of an endemic, that is, it is part of everyday life and part of what we deal with. And then as such, the, the companies understand how to manage it, like maybe the flu, hopefully knock wood, that, that it becomes more like that than it is a, 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 the first version of it when we experienced it back in March two years ago. That was a dramatic change of something that nothing like we've ever seen before. And so as that, that uh, notion of uh, the virus settles into how we think about it day to day, and then now people are, are seeing, hopefully on the other side of Omicron, people I think would start to accelerate their, work, their back to work plan. So my guess is it'll be steeper, uh, but it still won't be an erupt from you know, 40% to 80 again you know, inside of a month. I don't think that will happen. 
You mentioned how people feel about health and safety, but it's really interesting because your data and your data analysis shows that people have returned to other activities at a much higher rate than they have returned to the office. Like for example, um, NBA games, people are at 93% um, uh, compared to 2019 levels. That's compared to an office return of 40%. Uh, TSA checkpoints um, still higher than the office, movie theaters still higher than the office. What do you make of that? I think two things come to play. I think there is for sure one of them that is health and safety related. And as you think about uh, the, the ups and down dips, uh, uh, peaks and troughs, even in some of these other things that people are doing, like going to restaurants or going to movie theaters or going to, to sporting events and such, uh, it does dip when there are variants coming around because people don't feel safe in big crowds that way. Now, uh, when you look at the peaks and troughs, what you, I think your point is that any of those, those more personal social activities still will be a lot higher than work activity. And I, I think that the work activity one is now suggestive of a way that people think about flexibility around work and what is the employment value proposition with relations, uh, relationships to where they work. So uh, they have come to, to have and enjoy the flexibility of being able to work from home. Uh, and be able to get uh, uh, the, the same work done as they were before, and they've settled in on that. And so that becomes more now a preference for how they want to work. And then again, what they expect their employers will allow them to do or, or, or um, um, uh, how the employers will think about the overall relationship with the employee as to how much they think that uh, you have to work in the office versus what they'd experienced over the last two years, which is um, much of the work gets done still the same by being out of the office. And so I think that that sort of explains probably the difference between some of those activities and then the work-related activities is what now people expect uh, to have and how they work. What have you heard from your clients about that kind of data? Because it's, cl it's clear as day that people are going back to other things <laughs> more readily than they're going back to the office. And one assumption would be that people don't like the office. Well, I, so I've heard a number of different things. So, so one thing is that there is, there is a view from on, on top, let's say on high, uh, among the CEOs and the leadership teams that there is something that is just missing by not being in the office, whether that is around how you collaborate, the uh, level of creativity and generating ideas, your, your frankly engagement with the company and how attached you are to the organization because the difference between zooming into one company versus zooming in another one and the, the, the culture and esprit de corps associated with it is not, you know, is probably not, is lost, let's say, in doing it in this format. And so a lot of the senior folks and, and CEOs that I have talked to really want people to be in the office for all of the, those reasons. And I, I think the, the, that comes maybe as, as juxtaposed against what, uh, on average, maybe more junior folks might think about, which is, I want flexibility in my work life, my work day. I don't want to go through the extra commute. Some of the people might be especially more recently thinking about the, uh, the expensive gas prices, the fuel costs, and, and uh, what that adds in terms of commute, even above and beyond the number of hours or minutes or whatever somebody spends in commute time. So all of that is pushing a little bit for them to say, hey, maybe I can not come to work you know, as many five days a week. Maybe it's uh, some three days a week or some fewer days a week than that. But, but I, I think in the middle of, of uh, all of that, I think a lot of that will still be settling. And I, I, and I think over the next you know, six months, as we hear from different people, they're in a watch and see. So assuming, again, that there are no other variants that will come up, 
there will be a, a new work, a new normal for, with respect to work as to how well the hybrid remote work settles, how much people will think about uh, whether they're getting as much out of uh, the office and office building as they are in the office building. And I suspect that that will probably evolve and change over time. Like, frankly, I've talked to people in our company who've said, uh, I, I didn't know that I was going to, to like it as much, but once I got back in, I really enjoyed being with my colleagues and be able to spend time with them live because it's a very different thing when you do that face-to-face versus when you're doing it face-to-face by a, a Zoom call. Your data shows that law firms generally are more than 60% back compared to what we said, 40% for the other industries. Are there, are there any indus- other industries that are outliers in that direction? Well, we, we uh, have a pretty broad sample of uh, the law firms as we serve you know, 50%, 49 actually, of the ML 100. Um, so we've got a better perspective on that. And, and, and so the law firms uh, absolutely stand out. I think, I think uh, the sample as we see it, you would have some uh, maybe other knowledge worker industries, technology industries that may have been more comfortable by being at home, at home and being able to work remotely, whereas some financial services firms, et cetera, that have uh, uh, different workflows and different regulatory expe- uh, expectations and, and compliance policies that they have to um, uh, manage to that might be encouraging more people to be in the office. But it, by and large, you, you would see a spread, I think, by, by type of company based off of the type of thing that they might do and driven in some big part by whether you can even do the work remotely. So what you're saying is there, law firms are at a higher rate, but are there any, like, is it more tech firms? That, would you say that tech firms are coming back at a lower rate? I mean, have you, man, have you looked at any other industry to kind of formulate a clear... Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we have the perfect sample in all of the industries. I just just because we have a pretty deep sample within the law firms, that's why we could create a back to work barometer just for law firms. Uh, but but otherwise, it's more anecdotal uh, evidence that I have in conversations with people about other industries. It might explain San Francisco, right? San Francisco's pretty low return. Yeah, and, and I think I think one one thing that just across time you'll have observed by these varying uh, geographies, various cities, um, there there are a number of drivers that we see that affect how quickly people came back or didn't come back, and so so if you track to the 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 forty percent, let's say average that we're talking about right now, more or less the the uh, the Texas cities, uh, so Dallas or Houston or Austin, have stayed at the very top and has consistently been at the top as the rest of the country has ticked up. It's ticked up faster than others have, or not faster, it's sort of at the, at the higher rate um, than others have, at the higher average number than others have. And then, uh, and then you would find like a, a San Francisco, a Bay Area, maybe a New York City being on the lower end. Although the interesting thing about New York is it sort of bounced back faster than some of these other ones have. And when we look at that, we, we, we suspect that there are a number of drivers around sort of regional disposition and how they reflect it on the broader kind of feel of COVID. It is driven by the, the uh, like a commuter index, like how do they get to work, whether it's by using mass transit or whether it's personal cars that get you places. Uh, obviously with mass transit, not necessarily at some point being as comfortable for people to be in com, um, com, uh, compressed spaces with other people. Um, uh, back to school and happy board, but coming back to school. And, and again, to your point, the nature of the industry makeup of any specific city, that probably dictated a lot of how, how fast people were coming back in.
Do you have any data or have you noticed any difference in the occupancy with newer buildings versus, um, you know, older buildings, those buildings that have been renovated those versus those buildings that we would probably call like a class B? Uh, I don't know that we have that sample. Um, I, I, I know, though, that is a consideration for this flight to quality that we're observing is that a number of our clients are thinking about how to how to have the office be, well, two parts, I think. One is just a, a, a competitive, if you will, with your home space to be a more attractive space that makes it more appealing for somebody to, 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 to come into work. And then related, but really secondly and separately, um, they appreciate that the demand for, uh, for space might be coming down. And so in order to make their spaces more competitive, they want to amenitize their space and improve their space to make their product uh, more appealing uh, for, for the buyers, the, 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 uh, the potential customers that are out there. And so those are the reasons why we see it, but I, I don't know that we have any supportive data that would say that the newer buildings or more amenitized spaces are getting people in faster. Because wouldn't we need that data? Because the theory is that if the building's nicer, people will come back. Yeah, so I, I, I have a maybe personally a different theory on that, um, that, that I, I think what we have learned is that there is work that gets done at home and then there's work then that gets done at the office and people have found a way to do certain kinds of work just perfectly fine at home, but other kinds of work, uh, group discussion, let's say, or collaborative brainstorming or just ways to get attached to culture and, and company that doesn't happen at home. You know, we just talked about that. And, and so it's not that you're trying to make the office more appealing for the same things that people used to do in the office. But to me, it is about making it differently appealing for different purposes while you're in the office, recognizing that sometimes when you're at home, you're going to be just fine doing the things that you do at home. So it's not a, a you know, one over the other, it's one and the other thing, I think. So based on that theory, then the Class B and the older buildings won't be in as much trouble as everyone theorizes. Well, it, it, it's hard to say because you're... Not everyone, but there has been a lot of people who have said, oh, the, the, the older buildings are in trouble. It's the new, the, it's the good building, it's the boutique offices, they're fine, but the older buildings will be in trouble. But from what you're saying is that there is a way out for these older buildings. Well, I, I think it, 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 uh, if you go to, to my, my two points I was making, one of them is that make it attractive, appealing for people to come in. And the second one is to differentiate their, their product competitively against others. I think you're, you're finding your class B is not going to be as differentiated your, as your class A's. And then you'll, you're still starting to find that there's going to be class triple A's and class triple A pluses, you know? And so that differentiation, I think, will matter or has at least, at least mattered to some of our clients more to make sure that their space is as appealing as possible. Hard to say then that class B's are, are going to be able to sustain that, you know, competitive war as, as uh, you people are upgrading, how much do the bees need to upgrade in order to keep up? Obviously there is a value price trade-off against the spaces that they're in, but what we have seen is this flight to quality really is showing up in the kinds of spaces that are being leased right now that, and that tend to be on the higher end.
It's like a party, really. Like it's not just about the location of a party that makes it good, right? It's about the people that are there. And yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely more. Uh, absolutely, the, the the party and the uh, the 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 vibe of the party is not just where it is; is who else is hanging out there for sure. So Austin, Dallas, and Houston are the only Sun Belt uh, markets that you track in the Ten City Index, but you do have buildings in places like Atlanta and Miami. I'm sure. Um, uh, are the offices fuller across more of the Sun Belt markets that have been seeing a lot of migration from the Northeast and the cold weather cities? Uh, I, I don't know that I have enough of data sample to say that. And so the, the part of the reason why we've selected these 10 cities is we, we have confidence around the data samples inside of them to be able to draw some of these conclusions. And uh, uh, Miami and Atlanta, at least for Castle, have been newer markets for us. So we just entered them over the last couple of years. Uh, and, and so the, the definitive you know, view on Sunbelt is probably a hard conclusion to draw. But if we step back from it around what, if, if we squinted at these 10 cities about what has seemingly been driving some of why people might come back, I, you could, one could extrapolate from that and suggest that the Sunbelt uh, might behave in similar kinds of ways, but I don't have any definitive backing that, that, that supports that. How long does it take to kind of formulate a, a good data set on, on something like this? Like, would you be able to say at the end of the year, look back and say, we can draw these sorts of conclusions? It, it's hard to do that uh, on a time basis. It's more a function of uh, how many buildings that we'll have in any given market. And that's just natural growth over time. And, and that's more of a probably a reflection of our own castle's growth in any given market and how many customers that we have uh, than it is really around um, you know, how much data are we collecting uh, longitudinally? Right. Okay. So it, we don't know how long it could take, but eventually you could be able to look at those sorts of sample sets and, and formulate some sort of theories. Yeah. It, you know, we, we are, uh, we are benefited at Castle to, to have a data set because we're a cloud-based, cloud-based access control provider that we can see uh, across buildings, across geographies, across, you know, um, uh, sub-segments, et cetera, to go figure out some of these points. And then it's just a data set sample question. Do we have enough of a data set sample to be able to draw whatever conclusions we want to draw? It seems like the Texas um, cities have um, plateaued at about 60% of pre-pandemic occupancy. Do you think that's maybe where we're going to land once all the companies kind of figure out their their arrangements, um, because maybe that's probably three days a week, would it not be? Uh, uh, so the the way that the data works here is not so much reflective of how many days a week somebody comes in, but more uh, an average of what percent of the initial starting point are people in. So we, we took a sample at the beginning of time, and then we took samples every day, and then we average it across the week to give us, now it's roughly 40%, now it's roughly 50% or 60%. I don't know that we know enough to your first question as to whether we're steadily settling in on that number. And in part, if you look at the, the, the um, Texas specific data points, there are reasons why it dipped and there are reasons why it kept on, it went back up and then, you know, Omicron came back down and went back up and then spring break happens, it goes back down. So there, there's life that happens around the numbers that gives you at least explanation for the pluses and minuses of the data. But there still is, even if you look at Texas, a, a broad and general upward trend. I think to me, it won't settle necessarily there, but I don't know where it settles. I don't have a crystal ball on that one. That's a big question of how behavior lasts and stands over time. 
So it's not like we're looking at Texas and saying this is <laughs> this is the full the future. No, and, and no, and, and I, I, I go back to my point earlier that if you look across the time, the average is always in the middle and Texas has always been at the top. So it's always come back at the higher level point. And so my guess is as everything ticks up, Texas will also take up and at a higher level. And then as to where, whether it, it settles faster than everybody else, I'm unclear at this point. And like, obviously, Texas is a different ball game than New York bigger use of um, cars versus public transport, different yeah. policies through the virus. Um, you know, it's, I guess it is hard to kind of put, extrapolate that across, uh, across America. Part of why we hear from some of our clients that it's too early to draw any definitive conclusions for, you know, like a, a question people uh, to go to a lot is, hey, maybe now we need less space per person. And then there are equal arguments that I hear for people because of the different ways working works that you might need more space per person. Uh, but I hear a lot from people that, that it's premature to draw a conclusion one way or the other because we haven't let the human part of work settle. And, and again, I go back to my point earlier that, that we are creatures of habit. So sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody comes in and they're like, wait a minute, I where did I leave my laptop again? Did I leave it at work? Did I leave it at home? I'm not really sure. It's just easier to just leave it in one place and just keep doing it there. And that, that I think, is the dynamic that we haven't yet quite captured to appreciate how the new, new work and new normal will settle in. And then after that, I think after some number of months of doing that, then I think employers or, 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 or um, uh, leaders will start to settle on what is the right way of doing work and how do we optimize around that. And I think that that will then start to settle a bit more. Do you know um, what, the, what like the average occupancy of a building would have been pre-pandemic? Because, you know, we never used to talk about building occupancy. We used to just talk yeah. about leasing. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. That, that, that's a hard, I've gotten that question before. It's a hard number to track because, uh, because the, 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 like how many people have badges and then how many people have five badges and use one and lose four. There, there are all sorts of things that make it harder for us to isolate that to say percentage of utilization rather than percent of people coming back in. That's why we, when we did this, we baselined on pre and post, or sorry, we baselined on the pre and then we measured the post because we know at least that that was a fixed number. So that number could have represented 60% utilization, 80% utilization. That was a very unclear thing, just given people are not very uh, very um, uh, um, consistent, I guess, in managing their credentials, which is what we're tracking here. So sometimes people still have a credential even though they don't work there. Sometimes they have five credentials because they keep losing them. So that, that's a harder one to pinpoint specifically. Are you surprised that you became like the beacon of return to work data? <laughs> I will tell you, it is, it is a surprise because uh, we just did this to be helpful to our clients. And, and as, a, as a company, again, in the cloud-based access control um, um, world, uh, we just had this data that, that people didn't, others didn't because of the way that we run our business. And so we pushed this out there. We, we have individual cuts of one building, let's say with the same kind of data, which our clients ask us about all the time. And so we then aggregated it up and then presented it. And, uh, but it has taken off in a way that I would not have, have guessed. And we show up in, in so many different publications now and people ask us all the time about what's going on, which is, is just a privilege uh, to be able to be helpful in this environment right now.